Hello, I'm 6-0, and and you're the Phoenix Suns. It's a pleasure to meet you. How are you doing, Phoenix Suns? I'm doing great. And you know what? I'm actually going to ditch you probably uh, in a couple days when it's 7-0. Uh, you know? I'm going I'm to be friends with 7-0, and not 6-0 and anymore. But, but we just met. I thought we'd be yeah, good no. friends. Can we hang out at least for a day? Yeah, you're a good friend, but bad in the sack. I'm moving on. Oh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Phoenix Suns 6-0 and party with Matthew and John. This is the Suns Jam Session podcast. And as always, we are thankful that you decided to press play and hang out with us. Uh, how about them Phoenix fucking Suns, Matthew? Give it up for them. Dude, I'm feeling fantastic. I, it's like expected now. Like when I'm watching these games, they're really just taking over. They're taking over the NBA, the bubble. They're the team to watch, and everyone loves them, dude. They're... Seriously, like the Cinderella team, everyone is going to root for them to go into the play-in, into the playoffs, and hopefully play the Lakers. Like they're besides maybe the Portland Trailblazers, they're like the best team to watch right now, right? Well, when you think about it, the Cinderella Suns are a team that at this point in the bubble, with you know the majority of teams playing six games, having locked up where they sit in the in the seedings and the standings for the playoffs, this is giving the rest of the NBA an opportunity to root for something. You know, it's, if you're an L.A. Clippers fan, these next two games, you don't give a shit about. You know, you know that you're going to be the number two seed. You're prepping for the Dallas Mavericks, and you're just doing the countdown. But the Suns are going for 8-0 and something special. So all of a sudden, Clippers fans are kind of be like, hey, let's, let's go Suns. I actually want to see this happen. Unless you're a Memphis fan, a San Antonio Spurs fan, and a Blazers fan, every other f- member of the Phoenix or the uh, NBA community is rooting for the Suns. And it's super great to see the – uh, the support to see everybody's optimism and just not to be trashed on Twitter. Cause we've, you got to think about it. I mean, the sun's been trashed on Twitter since Twitter began. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's been fun, man. You got to be careful though. Cause now we're getting those interviews with Woj and Rachel Nichols. I know I had so to tell Rachel. Stay no. away, yeah. Stay away from the quicksand, you know, just focus yes, on basketball, just exactly. hit up those interviews, hit up those interviews, but act like you don't give a shit. Cause you Ex- don't, Hey, You're focus on basketball. Don't give me a fake smile there. We're not happy to we're not we're not happy to be here, Rachel. This is where we expect no. it to be. So exactly deal with it. All right. Yeah. All right. Job so, is not yet done. Job ain't even close to being done, baby. As uh, Justin from the Fanning the Flames uh, podcast, our sister podcast here on the Bright Side of the Sun, tweeted out earlier today something along the lines of, "Hey, eighteen more to go. We got eighteen, 18 more to go to win an NBA go. championship, baby. I mean, let's do this, buddy. This has been fun. Six and zero. Man, and plus, like, if we face the Lakers, they haven't even been playing with their starters at full capacity. So, you know, you can you never come in know. there and you never but, know. But we'll back it up. We'll back it up one game at a time. Beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. We got the Sixers playing tomorrow. Uh, actually, a little bit later in this podcast, we're going to have Dan Volpone. He's a staff writer and podcast host from the SB Nation site, Liberty Ballers. And he's going to join us and talk about that matchup. That is occurring tomorrow at 1.30 against the Philadelphia 76ers. That's 1.30, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Sweet. But as for now, the Suns are currently 6-0 and after defeating the Oklahoma City Thunder by 27 points. We're 32-39 and on the season. I'm going to give you all the normal plugs. Follow, rate, review, subscribe at Suns Jam, Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. I'm at Darth Voida. He's at Matthew Lucy. And I'm, I'm popping this beer open and we're dropping that beat, baby.
right, Matthew, they did it. 128 to 101, the Phoenix Suns over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, granted, this is an Oklahoma City Thunder team that was without the majority of their starting five. They didn't have Steven Adams. They didn't have uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They didn't have Dennis Schroeder. They didn't have uh, Danilo Gallinari. They didn't have a lot of guys <laughs> playing. But you know what? You still got to win these games. And in the past, these are the trap games that the Suns would get caught into. Not today, my friend. Not today. No, not today, dude. And honestly, we were the team in the past where we would be that team, the young team on the other side trying to prove ourselves and then get blown out by 20. But also, we'd be the guy, we would be the team too where going into the halftime where we're down by a couple. We may never even close it or we may not even take the lead the next half. Like, I feel like when the team was always down in the past, even in the second quarter by 20 or 15 points, they couldn't even pull close to five points. Mm -hmm. So this is just totally different, totally different mentality, mindset, everything on the board that Monte points out before the game and his halftime adjustments Mm -hmm. that have been critical for the Suns. Um, You're just finding it everywhere with every player every every coach every everything you're seeing in the bubble right now from the suns is just it's a it's a family business right now it is they're they're locked in at all times and that's what's so impressive uh i have a confession obviously i was as i mentioned on the last podcast i had a 9 35 tea time this morning so i actually didn't see the beginning of the game uh it was about you know i saw the end of the game i saw the last quarter and a half so you're gonna have to fill me in on some of the stuff that i missed okay uh, I, um but I do know that I was on the 12th hole and all of a sudden uh, my, my phone starts going crazy. You know, I have a, uh, the Slack um, application that we utilize for Bright Side of the Sun, the writers, writing team there to kind of talk about what we're going to be, uh, put the content we're going to be putting yeah. forth to people. All of a sudden it just starts going crazy with Aiden's not there. Aiden's not there. What's going on? Typical Aiden, shit like that. You know, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the 12th hole. I'm like, oh no, man, uh-huh. this is, this is not good, you know? Obviously, DeAndre Ayton, this is a game that we were expecting him to feast upon. You know, some people were saying Javon Carter game last game. This would be the Ayton game, especially with a very, very weak front line. Um, And it was kind of disappointing to see that. So when we talk about the Suns being locked in, Ayton wasn't locked in because he missed a COVID test, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, Monte pointed out, too, they were waiting for the results for him to get back. Um, But Monte definitely did have his back at the end of the game, talking about how um, it happens to all of us. I mean, obviously, Aiton's the first player this has happened to, and it has to be Aiton, right? I mean, he's just – he's that kind of guy really <laughs> yeah. just to be, you know, the <laughs> the frontier of these kind of things. So I, I feel like he uh, – people were giving him crap, and he never got into the game. He came in late. Uh, he never really got a grasp on the game, too. And you're talking about the mismatches, too, where I feel like – I kind of want to stop saying like, oh, Aiden should take advantage of the small play or the small matchups, you know, down, down mm-hmm. under the, in the block, but it, that's just not going to happen yet in his career. I think uh, for him to actually take over a game that way, is maybe two or three years down the line, but right now he's just playing within the system over the Suns or even trying to give him the ball down low. He doesn't still take advantage of it. So I'm not really worried about that stuff, but him coming up short or him coming up late in the game, um, just because of the COVID test, um, that was something where I was just like, ah, man, like, is this something we need to trade him for? Like, that, <laughs> that's just the first thing I thought of. But it, it turned out not to be a big deal, but it would have been a big deal if the Suns lost this game because of Absolutely. that. Well, that, I think that was one of the advantages of not seeing the game at that point and being out on the golf course because I wasn't 
part of Sun's Twitter today to experience that. And I'm glad I wasn't because my assumption is there's probably a lot of negativity out there, right? Oh, absolutely. But that's Twitter. Yeah, of course. Yeah, very true. Every Sun's game, everybody that doesn't think they're, um, you know, being negative, they're being negative. It's hard not to be <laughs> negative on Twitter. I know. It's very true. And I'm glad I didn't experience that. Uh, but you could tell that the Suns mi- uh, missed him for sure. You know, just going back and looking, you know, I'm monitoring the score on my NBA phone app, app phone, whatever. Uh, 37 to 23 in that first quarter. I mean, the Suns yeah. came out flat. Oklahoma City Thunder came out shooting and the Suns were having a hard time hitting some shots. It appeared from afar. Does that sound like a, a proper yeah. No, you're pretty diagnosis. spot on, man. It was just basically the Suns couldn't get their shot to go. Um, a lot of it was just when you have that young, hungry team on the other side where they're seeing the Suns as kind of like the veteran team now to where they're taking over and they're they're on a five-game win streak, you know, trying to get six. And then you got the young team in OKC where the backups where they're trying to prove something. They really are. And it's just a lot of that hustle on defense, a lot of disruption, a lot of bad turnovers early by the Suns. Yeah, eight in the first quarter, right? Yeah, very, yeah, Jeez. very bad. It was just kind of like, you know, I mean, it's the mentality of coming in and playing a team that doesn't have any other starters. It's an adjustment. Yes. And like before, the Suns weren't able to adjust to these kind of situations in the past. But you kind of felt like as the game would go on, we would take advantage of a young team who eventually started making mistakes like the Suns were in the first quarter. Um, so the Suns got their shit together and just in time, too, in the second half. Well, I know that Aiden came back. Did he come back in the second quarter? Or? I, I believe it was the second quarter. So okay. you have to – I was working. Yeah. Um, so off and on, some people would come in. I would try to get him out of my office as quick as I could. <laughs> but, you know. Go on. Get out of here. But, yeah, <laughs> so he came back in the second quarter and was kind of that stabilizing force. And if he, after losing the opening quarter 37-23 to 23 and trailing by as many as 15 points, the Suns actually outscored the Thunder 105-64 to 64 through the final three periods to get that victory 105 to 64. And I yeah. think that kind of goes to your point. You're playing a team full of backups and guys who are trying to make a name for themselves and just prove that, you know, when the playoffs do come that they can be called upon for the Oklahoma city thunder and, and, and Billy Donovan will give them a thumbs up and say, Hey, come on and play. So, but in doing that, you're going to go, you're going against a team that, as we mentioned, is locked in both offensively and defensively. And I think that that's something that we've mentioned a few times and I'll continue to harp on it. Seeing the Phoenix Suns play defense is one of the most exciting things I've experienced as a Suns fan since I started watching them because we've never, ever been known as a lockdown defensive team. So actually Mm -hmm. prior to this game, I was looking at this morning, the Suns on ESPN's power rankings had moved up from 19 to 15 prior to the game. And via ESPN, They said that prior to the shutdown, the Suns ranked 16th in offensive rating and 19th in defensive rating. In the bubble, the Suns are 7th offensively and 4th defensively with a 107 defensive rating. And then Dave King actually tweeted out after the game, he said, after this game, the Suns have the best net rating in the bubble at a plus 11.1 and the second best defense. And that's what it is. That's the key. That is what has been propelled the Suns to 6-0 and is their ability not only to play defense, but to, comp- to play defense for 48 minutes. It's not like the, the starting teams out there and they lock down the other team and then the second team comes in and gives it up. You're mm-hmm. getting that consistent defensive effort with the second team, with Javon Carter, with campaign, with DeAndre Ayton come in as part of the second team. And he was a plus 22 off the bench today. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's just – it's so fun to watch knowing that – those leads aren't going to balloon at least right now away from us because we can stop runs. 
Yeah, and a big part of that too is Devin Booker getting the help on defense and the offense to where he can actually play defense and give a crap because he's actually improved in the bubble so far that I've seen mm-hmm. his defense because he doesn't have to waste a lot of energy, all the energy he used to waste on offense when it meant nothing, all those points that meant nothing, right, in the past. Yep. He actually has a, a defense to back him up in an offense, which is something different. And it's the little things even just like misdirecting a shot in the lane that's what the suns do a lot they'll put a body on the on the players it might seem like it's an easy layup but there's always someone there to discourage the uh, offensive guy from you know continuing to actually have an easy uh, layup or a dunk like there's just little things like that where they're getting in the lanes and they're just really really swiping at the ball a lot too as well Mm -hmm. and you look at in this game the wings played fantastic cameron johnson had a total of 18 points, as did Mikel Bridges. Yep. Cam was four for eight from downtown. Mikel was five for eight from downtown. Uh, just seeing those guys perform. I mean, it, that, that could be, you know, the, our small forward and power forward of the future, man. I'm really like, I'm, it, it's so hard not to have recency bias, especially considering this team is 6-0 and and playing so unbelievably uh, out of their minds right now in Orlando. But you look at Cam Johnson, and I'm like, I really think he has the capability to be our starting stretch four of the future. I mean, am I wrong in that thinking? No, you're totally right. And the thing he does, too, is it's not like he disappears like Andrew Wiggins, but he is on Mm -hmm. the court. He fills like a hole, but he's not like overly crazy, like good. You know what I mean? Like he's not there yet to where he's uh, close to being like a, a good player, but he is doing the fundamental things that I feel like we just need from a starting forward. Like, you know, just playing great defense. He's playing really good defense on the outside. Yes. Uh, he, really, nobody can really drive on the guy. He has quick feet. Um, his three-point shot, of course, like, I feel like he now, every third or every maybe third or third or fourth game, like, he is just killing it from three. So he's, like, not as consistent as maybe he will be in the future. But when his shot's not going from three, it's like the defensive side. It's like these players, when something's not going right, you have them on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And another guy just like Dario Saric. He actually had some good stats today, but I felt really <laughs> bad for Dario Saric. He had, it seemed like just a rough game. Like nothing was going his way. He ended it with 16 points and like the nine, or yeah, nine rebounds. Yeah. But that's his numbers. But it just seemed like things weren't going his way and I felt really bad, but I'm glad he ended up with some decent numbers. Well, again, I didn't see much of the game uh, and I can't wait till once we're done, I'm actually going to sit down and watch it tonight. But I know I did see a couple plays where Dario Sarge is just like he can't put back the layup, like he gets blocked by the rim kind of stuff. Yeah, it was just you, that, that yeah, stuff. You, yeah. you just feel bad for Dario. It's like, God, it's just like. And he just gets dunked on out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> He's just trying his hardest. He did have that <laughs> you know one I mean? great play, though. I think it ended up being an and one where he was going down the lane and the guy set up for a blocking or a charging foul and he just went right around him and ended yeah. up get, getting fouled and went to the line. I mean, Dario Sarge as our starting center. I mean, are, are, are you kidding me? Like, what the fuck is going on? And we're winning the games. Yeah. Like, this is – I honestly, we're in the twilight zone, man. I mean, it's happening. It's so surreal to see what's mm-hmm. happening. Um, tell me about Ricky Rubio in this game because I see the stat line that he went for seven points and he had nine assists and five rebounds, but four fouls. Was he having a hard time uh, trying to D up Chris Paul? Yeah, a lot of it. Well, actually, Ding up Chris Paul, it was kind of like a different matchup every time, but Ricky Rubio just couldn't get it going. I don't know. It was just his off night. There was some times I feel like he just wasn't making the correct play. He wasn't really seeing the wide open, you know, 
player. And sometimes that he does that. Sometimes he has the games where it's like, dude, the guy's right there. Like that's a Steve Nash pass, you know, yeah. like Steve Nash would have found that, but you know, it's Ricky Rubio and he he'll have the off night once in a while, but I can't really pinpoint his deal tonight. You know, I wasn't so focused, lasered in on Ricky Rubio where I was like mainly the guys that were contributing a lot, but Ricky Rubio, of course, he's going to like, he's going to have, some pretty good defense. I mean, he had the one steal, but besides that, he tried to, <laughs> the worst play he had today was when he tried to go for like a pump fake and then hit a three and then throw his body into the defender, which he basically just threw the ball at the guy and then there was a turnover. <laughs> so he was just having a kind of a rough day, I think. Um, nothing too worrisome. I feel like because he had rest too and he only played 20 minutes, which was nice. Which is and, huge. And another thing too with this team, it's like, they have the back-to-back. When's the last time the Suns had a back-to-back and they can rest the players in the first game? I don't remember that. I can't remember. You know what Good I mean? Lord. Well, you look at it, and Dario Sarch had 23 minutes, which is fine. He'll be coming off the bench tomorrow against the 76ers. But Mikael Bridges only played 29. Ricky Ruby only 21. Devin Booker, who had 35 points, and we'll get to him in a second, he only had 29 minutes. DeAndre Ayton had 17. So, yeah, we got some rest in for these guys before we yeah. have to go against the 76 and on the back and back. You're right. I can't remember the last time this happened. This is, it's a, it's a twilight zone, man. Yeah. It's strange. It'd be even more strange if like these teams were playing were full strength, yeah. but I love them taking advantage of these teams right now. You have to though. I mean, we yeah. talked about this coming into the bubble that we were going to have an opportunity to probably steal some games because of that exact reason that guys know where they're going to yes. sit. And they're going to try to get, um, some rest in. I mean, Oklahoma City played yesterday, so we knew that they were going to be on a back-to-back and they're probably going to rest guys. If Monty rests anybody tomorrow, I mean, that'll be the most surprising thing I think I've ever seen. But let's talk about let's talk about Devin Armani Booker, man. I mean, this guy, again, only 29 minutes, 35 points, 14 for 14 from the line, dude. I mean, that's how you do it right there. You force the opposition into mismatches and you take advantage. And I crunch the numbers in the bubble thus far. Devin Booker is averaging 30.3 points per game, six assists per game, 3.8 rebounds per game. He's shooting 47.9% from the field, 33% from downtown, and 94% from the free throw line on 47 of 50 free throws. I mean, that is beyond all-star. That's first team, maybe second team, all-NBA type numbers. Granted, it is a small sample size. It's only six games, but that pushes his total up to, I believe, 26.4 points per game. So if he averages like 50 points these next two games, he will pass Tom Chambers <laughs> for the all-time single-season scoring average in Phoenix Suns history. So go get 50, D-Book, twice. Yeah, we, we hope so, man. And can you imagine just a full season of the Suns winning and him continuing on this pace that he's playing at right now? Because he will. He'll give the effort on both ends if we just are winning and he's surrounded by these great group of players, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but that's what it truly is. I mean, it's opening him up to do more of what he wants to do for a couple of reasons. Defenses can't necessarily key in on him as much because they, they get burned for it. If they throw the doubles at him, he's going to find somebody. And guess what? That's, that's somebody can execute. Yeah. So you can't always – now they're going to double him in stretches and try to make it hard for him, but he's so talented scoring in so many different awkward ways. It's so entertaining uh, that it just makes it impossible for defenses to truly come up with a great uh, game plan to defend him. And mm-hmm. then to your point earlier, I mean, the most important thing is – because he doesn't have to spend so much time on offense, he can focus a little bit more on defense. Because he has experienced his team performing well while he's sitting on the bench, he has more confidence in them. I mean, it's just it's a trickle-down effect that Devin Booker's finally experiencing, and it's just it's so fun to watch. I mean, I can't 
not keep going back to how much fun as a Suns fan I'm having right now. It's unbelievable. Me too, man. All right, last thing I wanted to talk about on this game before we preview the 76ers is just I got to give props again to my man, Javon Carter. 37 hard-fought minutes in this game. You know, with Ricky Rubio being in foul trouble, you saw a lot of campaign who had 33 minutes and Carter had 37 minutes. Payne had a plus 22. Carter had a plus 26. Uh, I mean, they that duo, but I mean, they're just – they're unconscious right now, but – Again, Javon yeah. Carter, just the hustle and the heart that this guy plays, man. I mean, he's just unbelievable to watch. And he is a restricted free agent next year. He's got a $1.9 million qualifying offer. I'm not going to get too far into next season, but, man, I hope they bring this guy back. Yep. He's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah, every time I see him on the court, I'm like, just pay that, man. Like, I seriously, you know what I mean, match that offer, whatever. they Another team's going to definitely offer him some big money, I feel like. But just to have him, he knows every time he comes on the court that – the fans love him. He hustles that he's going to change the game, whether or not we're up or we're down. Mm-hmm. Like I just love to see him in the game. And this is another game in which the Suns made 17 threes. They were 50% from downtown, 17 for 34, 93% from the line. And that actually pushes them past the 1989 and 90 uh, Boston Celtics who yeah. hold the single season record yeah. for free throw percentage by a team. The Suns are now at eight, 83.3%. So they're actually a percent above that team. They've got two games to play. So if they continue to be that sharp shooting team from the free throw line, and that's something that we don't talk about too much. I mean, this is a historically great free throw shooting team. And how nice is it to have that? Because if you look at these games that we played in the bubble, we're winning 117 to 115 twice. We're in these close games. And you know that if you get down in two minutes and you foul the Suns, they're going to make you pay for it. And it's something Suns fans don't take advantage of appreciate good free throw sh- shooting. Cause I know from experience when you have shitty free throw shooting, uh, you regret it instantly, man. You do. But um, the thing is the whole season, I feel like they really didn't get to the line like they should have. And mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with just them not taking advantage of mismatches. A lot of it is refs and just not actually giving any respect to Devin Booker or a lot True. of the teams, especially Ricky Rubio. Dude, that guy, him and Sarge, and get, Sarge yeah. him and Sarge get hacked so much under the basket, and they seriously get no calls. It's probably because Ricky Rubio's shot and his layup, like everything he does is very awkward and weird, kind of yeah. around the, the rim. So maybe that has something to do with it where the refs aren't used to seeing a player, you know, uh, finish that way down the lane. But he gets hacked a lot. So if we get more respect and that percentage stays about the same, then that's going to give us like five or six more wins throughout the season. It's big, man, because you look at the Suns' schedule this year, and how many games do we lose by a point or two? I All mean, it's them. it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of games. And you go back and you go, you know what? If a call went this way or a call went that way, the Suns would have one more or two more wins, and we'd no, be you're right. pretty right now. I mean, you go back just to the – I'll never forget it. It's the great Mexico City debacle against the San Antonio Spurs, and I want to say it was in December of last year, where the refs were just horrible in that game. And they gave the, the Spurs a victory at the end of that game by just shitty call to shitty call. If we win that game, we're a game up right now. We're tied with, uh, I believe, Memphis. We'd be tied with them right now. I mean, it's just, oh, well. You know, you know, yeah, play it, yeah uh, you're right. As but I know from playing golf, play it as it lies. Yeah, but then there's also those games where the Suns should have won and they blow it themselves. So kind of, I feel like it evens out. It all the does year, at the end, yes. You know, in the end, it kind of does. Well, tomorrow is moving day, my friend. You have the Trailblazers playing the Mavs. 
So we get to be Luca fans for 24 hours. Let's experience this and see what it's like. Always. Love uh, that guy. <laughs> you have the Memphis Grizzlies taking on the Celtics, and you have the Houston Rockets taking on the Spurs. So tomorrow's one of those days. If you're not feeling good, stay home. You got a lot of great basketball to watch that involves the Phoenix Suns. The Suns themselves are going up against the Philadelphia 76ers. So Philly is currently 3-2 and two in the bubble, 42-28 and 28 on the year, which is good enough for sixth in the Eastern Conference. The Suns actually beat Philly on November 4th, 114-109. to 109. That's back. I think that was the seventh game of the season. Uh, that's a game that you attended with uh, your old boss, right? Yeah, I did. We actually made a bet. So I'm a Cowboys fan. He's a Eagles fan and the Cowboys beat him in the game prior. So he had to wear a Jason Witten jersey the whole game. <laughs> and people kept asking him like, hey, what's the Cowboys score? Because the Cowboys were actually playing the same time the game was at. And they kept asking him what the score was of the game. <laughs> that poor guy. That's yeah. a great bet. Well, it that was, was awesome. That was also the game where Devin Booker at the end of the game, they were chanting MVP when he's on the free throw line. Yeah, right? great. Well, he owned Booker owns the 76ers. And I see a lot of jokes about that's why he has uh Ben Simmons, old girl, um, and the um, Kendall Jenner. Because <laughs> he owns but, them. Yeah, because he seriously, I don't know what his record is against Philadelphia. I know it's easy to look up, but it's probably pretty good. <laughs> well, Philly had a shot to beat Portland on Sunday and really help the Suns, and they swung and they missed on that. So that was kind of disappointing. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 76ers this season? I mean, there's not going to have Ben Simmons, obviously. And I believe it's official that Joel Embiid is out for tomorrow's game. So what are your thoughts on the Sixers this season up to this point? And then we can talk Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and all that after that. Well, I mean, they're just a weird team in the way that they kind of just remind me of the bubble. Just everything's kind of up in the air. You never know who you're going to get, what you're going to get from players. A lot of it, when I think of um, the Sixers, is just Charles Barkley going after Embiid every game. Embiid, like if he can actually try every game, he would be a first-team All-NBAer every year. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, but he has that issue. So when I think of that, then I think of Aiton. Is that the future of the Suns? But for the, for the Sixers, I love their death chart. I think they have an awesome death chart. And maybe it has something to do with their coach or something because they have great players and now they're injured. But at the time when they're actually healthy, I feel like they can beat anybody. And they were so close last year to moving into the Eastern Conference um, finals to where I think if they can just put it together and believe in each other and actually fight every game, like they can be a historically good team, but we just don't see that. And I don't know what it is, but how do you view them though, dude? Cause it's very strange to me. Well, I like the 76ers. I really liked them a lot last year. I liked the construction of that roster. They just were unfortunate enough to run into the Raptors and have Kawhi Leonard hit that epic shot that went in in game seven that ended yeah. it for him. Um, I think that they're a team that is constructed kind of interestingly. I mean, they're a lot of big guys. Uh, they got Al Horford, and I don't know if that was the best offseason acquisition. I almost feel like it was more of, hey, Al Horford as a Boston Celtic owns us. Let's get him so we don't have to deal with it. It's like uh, the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks used to have horrible problems with Sean Green of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So what did they do? When he was a free agent, they signed him. And then they have to deal with them in the division anymore. And that's how I kind of feel about how they approached Al Horford. I think that it's a team that has obviously a ton of talent. You have Ben Simmons, you have uh, Matisse Thibel, who's a young guy who we've talked about a lot on this podcast, just seeing as the, uh, he does a great job kind of posting social media and giving us insight to the bubble. That's been fun. Obviously you have Joel Embiid, you have Tobias Harris is another great guy. Yeah. Josh Richardson is another, you know, lottery pick. 
uh, Shake Milton, somebody who's kind of come on a little bit for him. I mean, they have a nice roster. It just – it didn't click this year for him. I mean, they're a six seed. Did you expect them to be higher than a six seed this year? Yeah, everyone does. Every, yeah. This is the team that everyone picks every year to maybe make it to the finals. And there's just something missing. I don't know if it's just the roster needs to be mixed and matched. Like, you need to send Ben Simmons to the Suns. I don't know what it has to be, dude. But seriously, though, Devin Booker, he <laughs> – He's averaged uh, 28.4 points against Philadelphia. That's oh, wow. second highest to the in, Boston Celtics. Where in he his career? 30, yeah, 30.7. Well, I mean, that's because so he, he threw a 70 spot on them. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. I forgot about that. Hey, how could, you, how could you forget? How could but you I, forget? Like, it, it's got to be... It's got to be a culture thing. I mean, because the talent's there. There's no doubt. I mean, this is a team that, you know, trusts the process. They trusted the process, and they got a lot of great picks out of it who have displayed individually that they are phenomenal talent. I mean, I was having this conversation with uh, my general manager today about Ben Simmons, and he's like, well, I just don't think that they mesh well together. I'm like, no, you're right. They, They don't mesh well together. He's like, but Ben Simmons isn't really, you know, as talented as I think is people think i'm like that's where you're incorrect i mean he's a he's an all nba guy he'll probably be like a third team all nba guy and he's a first or second team all nba defensive player i mean ben simmons is an all-star i just don't think that he meshes well within the confines of that system because you have a bunch of lane cloggers on their team he needs to have that wide open spread look that almost like the suns have like if we had ben simmons instead of ricky rubio he would be in heaven because he's got a bunch of wings who can shoot and he could assist and play defense. I mean, him next to Devin Booker, it would be something to salivate over. So Ben Simmons, within the confines of that offense, is just not as productive as you want to be, and he's the guy who's pushing the ball all the time. So they're just very inconsistent. They're a, defense, a defensively-minded team. They can definitely D you up with Embiid and Simmons, but on offense, they just don't have rhythm, I feel. No, they don't, but honestly, they I know they have the whole issue with they don't um you know they don't go well together but i they're so close they just are so close and mm-hmm. they all i feel like they have to do is just try <laughs> that's all they have to do but they but, have they have the talent i mean that's what's I crazy know. man they have that talent it's just again a six seed for that team it's not like the east is tough man you know no, it's not they're, I'm they're telling f- you, they're just not trying hard enough but they yeah. need a new coach or something i don't know well we'll see how it goes on tuesday uh what's your prediction for the game uh, I think the Suns will win okay. by 10 points. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to agree. I think the 7-0 just sounds nice. I like to, you know, I don't think that very many people thought that the Suns would go 7-0. So let's just say they're going to win by 7. I'm going to say 117 to 110 to go to 7-0. and Okay. How about how you like them apples? I like that. All right. I like that. Well, let's uh, let's kick it over to our interview with Dan Volpone. He's a staff writer and podcaster from SB Nation's Liberty Ballers, and he can break down a little bit more of the matchup between the Sixers and the Suns on Tuesday. Dan, how you doing? Hey, how are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Good to what, see you guys. You as well, man. I appreciate you coming on our podcast here. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, and the Sixers just lost to the I know. Port- Goddamn, Damian Miller, yeah. the Portland Trailblazers. How how you feeling right now? <laughs> I mean, for the Sixers, okay, because I'd rather than be in the six and put off playing Milwaukee. But oh, okay. since I knew I was going to come on and talk to you guys, I was really hoping they'd pull it out for you. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, we're, we're definitely disappointed too. I mean, I, although Matthew and I were talking before we got on here, it's like I'm almost more upset with the Spurs performance than – 
Portland's performance. I mean, they got Damian Lillard, they got CJ McCollum, they got mm-hmm. Nurk. I mean, they're they're a viable team. The Spurs are a bunch of bums that you've never seen or heard of, and they're just ugly too. And we just don't know why they keep winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So we we appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, you know, obviously the Suns are going to be playing the Sixers on Tuesday at one thirty Arizona time. And I guess the first question I got for you, Dan, is just how do you view this year's version of the 76ers? In a word, I would say probably disappointing. How so? So coming into the season, it just it felt like it was a year they could be good. And it, there was a lot of question marks because the fit was weird. And, but it felt like, you know, maybe if the fit does work, since, you know, has anyone tried this lately? Not really with, you know, two centers, two power forwards, and a small forward in the starting lineup. <laughs> and I think we all kind of talked ourselves into it and it really didn't work. And it, it kind of just seems like people weren't bought in injuries happened, injuries happened again after the bubble. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it does seem like it's just, it's not a good year for the Sixers. Yeah. You guys don't want, you want, you kind of went the, like the anti Houston Rockets route. It appears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's been a tough year, especially coming off of, you know, the past two seasons where, <laughs> It, it felt like, you know, coming into the playoffs, who, who knew what we could do? And this year it feels like we're really capped. Well, do you feel like the roster is cohesive and the players like each other in the locker room? So I, I do think guys generally get along. I mean, especially during the bubble and, and with all the protests going on, there was a lot of reports coming out that Tobias Harris really stepped up as a leader in the locker room. Yeah. And that was kind of from the players, the coaches, everyone kind of agreed. Um, so I do think guys get along, but, but I think there is an acknowledgement that like people, I think guys kind of understand something's missing. Um, and I could be wrong, but just from the body language, sometimes it, it does seem that way. And definitely the fans, the fans feel that way for sure. Um, just like, obviously Tobias, I said, is, has become a leader, but yeah. like, he hasn't lived up to that contract, which I don't think anyone really thought he would even when they signed it. Um, so it's on the court, I would say fit wise and talent wise, they're not where we hoped they would be, but off court, they, I mean, they're a likable team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone has any issues with anyone on the team in terms of personality, but um, yeah, just the, the fit on the court is a little bit rough. How, uh, how entertaining has the Matisse Thibel uh, YouTube videos been for you as a fan of the team? Cause I know that me watching from afar, not necessarily having a relationship with the 76ers, especially seeing as they play on the other side of the country and we don't see them a lot. Having that inside access that he provided has been nothing short of fantastic. How do you view those? Yeah, they're awesome. And just getting to know Matisse over the last year, he's just, he's such a, he's such a great guy um, from, from everything you can see. And he's just adorable also. Like, he's yeah. just such a cutie. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> um, so, so everything, everything we see from him is great. And um, just the – we were actually – so I recorded the podcast earlier today for Liberty Ballers. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about – because we always talk about Matisse's vlogs. Because like you said, they're, they're great. And the insight is awesome. And, and we, we all love his dad. And, and we yeah. love everything that yeah. we get to see from him. And just kind of, and it's not just Sixers. Um, like, I'm, I know you guys have seen, but for anyone who hasn't seen, like, you kind of get to see interactions with guys around the league. Like, in the one before the one that came out this week, there was, you know, Russell Westbrook was in it um, a little bit. And there were a bunch of guys playing, um, or they, they were playing cornhole with like, yeah. different teams. And it, it's just, it's fun to see, like, what everyone's up to. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely, like, the the best thing about this bubble, besides, like, the Suns going 5-0, and like, his videos... <laughs> 
his videos have really like helped. I feel like get him and his team through. Uh, maybe they seem they seem like to, they're enjoying it more now, but I feel like it might have been a tough situation for them. Um, but I just wanted to ask you too. I don't know if this is like a big deal or not anymore. But if you had to choose between the two, Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons to stick on the team uh, for future years and not be traded. Yeah. So if I had to choose, I would pick Joel easily. Yeah, I that's mean, what I would um, think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's not. I don't think for uh, for me at least that's not a, that's not a tough choice. But um, I would say that I don't think, and it's fine as a hypothetical. But in terms of just national media coverage, it's super overblown. Um, they're not a perfect fit, but they're an okay. Like they're they fit well enough. And really, the the issue seems to be the pieces around them. Like uh, if you even look a few years back when they were surrounded with shooters, they were great. They had like a seventeen game winning streak, and they won a bunch of games. And, and for some reason, the team decided to move away from surrounding them with shooters. And obviously that doesn't work when Ben's not a shooter yeah. and Joel plays inside. But um, yeah, I, I would pick Joel, but I think they can coexist. And I, I hope the team sticks with them because they're both so talented and it would be, and they're young too. It'd be silly to split yeah. them up in my opinion. Well, it is disappointing that Ben Simmons has left the bubble and is having some knee surgery done. You know, he's a uh, he's somebody that I thoroughly enjoy playing, uh, watching play from afar. And then, obviously, we know Embiid and we know Harris. Who's the one guy that Suns fans don't know about but should on the 76ers? Well, at this point, it's probably Shake Milton. Um, I think people probably know Josh Richardson, who had a great game today. Fantastic game, great game, and it, it really he he was really bad the first four games and then all of a sudden 38 points um, and almost carry them to, to a win with lower scoring what 51 I think so yeah um, so yeah he was incredible today but Shake, Shake Milton's a guy who they took I want to say 54th pick in the draft a couple of years ago was in the G League uh, was on a two-way contract didn't play most of the year and when Ben and Joel were hurt at the beginning or I'm sorry at the end of this season right before the bubble Shea came in and playing the Clippers scored 39 points without Ben or Joel and the Sixers lost by less than 10 points when the Clippers were playing Kawhi and, and Paul George. And he came out of nowhere, couldn't miss a shot. He actually tied Steph Curry's record for most consecutive threes made. He hit 13 straight threes. Jeez. So um, he's a guy who really kind of came out of nowhere. He's always been a great shooter. He was a great shooter in college, but he had never done anything as a pro and now he's starting because um brett brown decided to bench al horford just for fit around the court so al, al is our sixth man now and um shake really struggled first game only took one shot didn't score but every game since he's he's been better and and he's he really opens things up because he's such a dead-eye shooter well now that your team is uh they're three and two now does that like meet your expectations or is it um short of or does it exceed them so I think, I think it's probably around where I thought we would be. Um, just just kind of looking at the Sixers, we always joke, like, you know, they're going to lose the games that it seems like they can't lose. Like, I was shocked they beat the yeah. Wizards because, like, you know, <laughs> they have no one in the bubble. It seems a perfect game for the Sixers to lose. And then I look at the Sixers coming up to play the Suns. It's like, oh, the Suns are winning every single game. I bet the Sixers somehow find a way to win with no one yeah. on the team. Yeah. Like, they just – they don't make any sense. But I think 3-2 and two <laughs> is about where I thought they would be, just, just based on kind of their regular season record. Low, low strength of schedule. Um, it kind of makes sense. Even with Ben Hurt, I think three and two is, is probably just who they are. What first round matchup would you prefer that the Sixers had? Yeah, so we were talking about this earlier today, uh, me and some other uh, Liberty Ballers writers, and I would personally rather play the Celtics 
even besides the um, the the idea that if we get the six, we don't have to play the Bucks until the conference championship if we somehow make it that far mm-hmm. um, without Ben. But we seem to we seem to have the Celtics number this year, which is weird because we they killed us in the past when they had Al. Um, and I I think Daniel Tice is an excellent player, but Joel's just too big for him. And I think the the Heat just give us a tougher time. We were three and one against the Celtics this year and one and three against the heat. So um, if it's between the two of those, I would, I would definitely take the Celtics. Um, and the heat are just annoying. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be that we used to have Jimmy and he's gone now and he's playing great. And it's like a, I miss him, but I hate him kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. But um, obviously, you know, the Celtics are, are a bigger, are a bigger rivalry, but I'm just more confident we can beat them. Uh, and I would definitely, I would definitely, put Joel against Cantor or Tice. I think he's, he's just too much to handle for either of them. So what are the Sixers' strengths and weaknesses as of now? So if, if Joel is healthy, which it seems like he is, he was back on the bench, they pretty much go as he goes. Um, he really is incredible. Uh, just, oh, he blows my mind sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes he's too lazy, which, which would be a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, when they just like, there's just regular season games where it feels like he might be taking kind of a night off and he gets a lot of criticism for that, but he, um, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. And size wise, he's probably too big for Aiton at this point until Aiton puts on a little bit of, until Aiton put, he, I think he will, but for now he's yeah. a little bit thin and I like Aiton a lot. I think, I think he will be a good player, but for now I think Joel has a, has a big leg up on him and at this point, that's probably their main strength, other than just defense in general. They have a really solid defensive unit yeah. with, with Josh, Ben, Matisse on the perimeter, and Joel inside. Um, weaknesses? Oh, my God, they can't shoot. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's so frustrating. They play such ugly basketball sometimes when the shots aren't going in because, you know, they'll send three guys at Joel inside, and then yeah. they kick it out. And when guys aren't making shots, they're hesitant. And they can really play indecisive basketball where someone gets, you know, Josh Richardson was great tonight, but if he's having an off night, they kick it out to him for three and he looks at it and decides not to shoot it and drives into the lane where Joel's already triple teamed mm-hmm. and, and it can get really ugly sometimes. Um, and then it just makes the whole half court offense a little bit rough um, depending on, depending on if Joel is really dominant or if he's just having like a good night, it can, the offense can look totally different. Um, and besides that, with Ben being out, obviously that's a that's a that's a huge hurdle to overcome because he's he's such a big part of of what they do. Mm-hmm. So the Suns obviously are getting some national pub just because of our performance in the bubble. Yeah. But outside of that, how do you you view the Suns from afar? So I followed the Suns a lot last year, um, and the last I really watched them was when they had two straight quarter two straight first quarters scoring nine points. I remember this. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, I, and at that point, I was thinking to myself, like, <laughs> oh my God, like, do, do they need to break up this team? Like, like this is just unreal. Like, how bad this is. Like, are Aiden and Booker? Like, I thought they were good players. Are they even any good? Like, I was questioning everything. Is this but, a professional no. organization? Like, what's <laughs> yeah, going like, on what here? Is, <laughs> how is this team in the NBA? But, <laughs> but no, what they've done in the bubble is incredible, and I think. You know, they've obviously had some down points this year. Their record really wasn't very good in the regular season. But, but for a team that young, it, it wasn't bad for sure. 
And I'm, I'm definitely happy for you guys because it's, I know how long it's been. Yes. And I appreciate how much Phoenix cares about their basketball. I mean, I feel like Philly's the same way. Mm-hmm. Like real passionate fan bases, love yeah. their teams. And I'm glad it's finally coming together. It's a little bit uh, tough to see Zaire Smith still not able to make it up and Michael Bridges killing it because I love that trade at the time for the Sixers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to ask yeah. you about that. It's, what are your thoughts on Mikel Bridges? <laughs> uh, I mean, and he's a local guy, too. Oh, he's yeah. Been great lately. Um, yeah, we could have used him against TJ Warren, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, but, did, a, yeah, he, he did a good uh, job locking him up when they played a couple games ago, too. Yeah. Him and yeah. Thibault would have been nice. Yes. Those two. Oh, man. Yeah, I like, I like what the Suns have going now. I'm, I'm so happy they're finally putting together. And uh, Monty seems to be doing a great job. So I'm, I'm glad it's finally coming together. I mean, Booker clearly has all the talent in the world. I know you're still kind of waiting for the three-point shot to fully come together in-game, but, yeah. but he can do so much, and it's, it's so evident. I mean, you watch him, and it looks effortless. So, I mean, it's, it always felt like it was there. And I, at, at a point, I was questioning if it would be, but I'm, I'm glad it is. They, I mean, they look really good. Yeah. They look, they look really good. I, I think they could uh, – I mean, I don't see them winning a playoff series because they're going to have to play Los Angeles, but – Yeah, yeah I need to get in. <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, if they – that'd be huge if they got in. Oh, absolutely. Just to finally yes. make it back, that, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. What was it, 2010 they last made it? So Correct. It's yeah, been a yeah. decade now. Yeah, so, that'd be on, awesome. On, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you miss Dario Saric? <laughs> so, on the court, honestly, we probably miss him more than you guys use him. If I had to put a number on it, I would say I'd have to split it up between on-court and off-court. Okay. So on-court, I would give it maybe a four. We could, use, we could use his shooting, although I don't think he's shooting quite as well as he was his last season here. Um, off the court, it's got to be a 10. I mean, yeah. he was so much fun. Him and Joel really got along. And back when we had TJ, they were so funny together. TJ McConnell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was funny because <laughs> when, when he first came over, uh, which was two years after we drafted him. Uh, one thing I always admired about Dario is that his English was really bad, but he always answered every question and in, like, in English. Like, and he always you know, gave his best, which is hard to do. I mean, if you put me in a, in a country where I didn't really speak the language, I feel like I wouldn't say a word. Yeah. Um, and so it led to him. He had some kind of funny Dario-isms where he would like, say something that was a little bit off, but he always gave great answers to questions. And he was, he's such a great like, spirit. He was just such a fun guy to have around. Yeah, that's what we're seeing now, his personality. I don't think I've really, really noticed it earlier in the season, but now in the bubble, I've definitely seen it. Um, what is – so the prediction for the game, what do you have? What do you, what do you think the uh, Sixers will win by if you choose them to win? <laughs> so, yeah, I think – well, if, if Joel doesn't play, I don't think they have the pieces with the way Phoenix is playing, but I think he will play. So I think, I think the Sixers win by – Maybe nine points. Okay. Um, and I think Phoenix is, is playing better than anyone right now. Uh, but everyone gets a heat check at some point. And the Sixers almost feel like the t- that team, like I said, like, you know, they, they play so weird that when a team's in rhythm, the Sixers can kind of throw them off because they play like the dumbest style of basketball. And like, it just, it, anything that you have going for you, it's like, oh, well, now we're playing the Sixers and, they're playing like crap and it, it feels like we can really beat them. They just lost to Portland. All their guys are hurt. And then they put three centers on the court and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do right now? <laughs> well, we did beat the Sixers once upon a time back in like yes. November or something. Like almost a year ago. Yeah. It's yeah. What it, yeah, it was, yep. it, yeah. Seriously. It was like a, like a year ago, but uh, 
you know, but best you of luck. suspended then, I think, right? That yeah. was after the Towns fight. Yeah, but we didn't have Aiton either. I mean, the, right, the, right. the, the, the air quote force that is DeAndre Aiton. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, and Baines was unbelievable. Yes, on, on, on fire. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Dan. Uh, can you tell everyone where they can follow you and read you and hear you? Yeah, so libertyballers.com. Um, that's just our like SB Nation sister page mm-hmm. to um, to Brightside, and um, we have you know lots of great writers there. Uh, we have I, we actually just started the podcast. We just did our second episode. It'll come out tomorrow. Oh, congratulations! Um, thank you. Yeah, we're having a good time with it. We mostly just talk about you know dumb Sixer stuff, um, <laughs> and we're um, we're it's called the Gastroenteritis Blues, uh, and the reason for that is that. Uh, all the Sixers seem to get the shits all the time. Sorry, I don't know if I'm nervous on here, but no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. All right, yeah. The Sixers, the Sixers seem to miss a lot of games with uh, some kind of gastro gastrointestinal problems. <laughs> so, so that's that's how we ended up with that. And and so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You can find us on Twitter there, or just in the Liberty Ballers podcast stream. And then I'm right now. I'm private on Twitter. Uh, because I'm applying to medical school, Good so for you. I just figured <laughs> smart. Best they, yeah, but just best they don't see me like getting mad about the Sixers or any dumb stuff. So, um, <laughs> but if you uh, if you request me on there, I'm just Dan underscore Valpone, and um, I'll you know I'll accept the follow request. So um, mostly just tweeting Suns and uh, sorry, just Sixers stuff. But I still follow the Suns a little bit, and uh, like I said, I'm happy for you guys. So. No, we, we truly appreciate, we it, appreciate it, man. Best of luck to you on Tuesday. Yes, you too. <laughs> All right, great to hear from Dan again. Uh, you know, those 76ers, man, even their fans are a little bit pessimistic, which is something I'm not surprised by. Are you? No, not at all. We keep learning that too with every interview we have where there's a lot of them are pessimistic. And honestly, he has a reason to be so. Yeah, so uh, best of luck to him in the playoffs. You know, maybe if the – 76ers pull off some upsets and are on their way to the Easter conference finals or something. We'll hit him up once again and just see how uh, the team is doing. Sound good. Yes. Yeah. All let's right. do that. You want to do a couple mailbag questions before we get out of here, Matthew? Of course. You don't even have to ask. Me. I know. I don't even know why I ask you these things anymore, but you know what? I'm a, I'm a gracious host. That's why. So our first question comes from Vladimir Babin and he asks if Kelly Oubre agrees to be the sixth man for the Suns when he gets back from injury, then how good would the Suns bench be? That's tough because we actually have Sarge coming off the bench playing a really good six-man role. Like, you couldn't ask for anything more, I feel like, from a six-man. Maybe more consistent on the three. Um, but if Kelly Uber came in, that'd be great. But I just feel like you're going to get exactly what you're getting from Sarge in a way. So I don't know if it would actually improve our team as much. It's an interesting debate, and it's a lot of what people are talking about right now. It's like, do you mess with the chemistry? Do you not mess with the chemistry? You see what happens when that chemistry is messed with today by Aiden not being available for the first quarter. The team was discombobulated. They were turning the ball over. They weren't shooting. And you can't say that's all a direct result from DeAndre Aiden not being on the floor. But you know what? Chemistry is chemistry, so maybe it is. Kelly Oubre, if he is available to come back, uh, the bench would be obviously improved. I don't think that if he comes back, you should put him in a six-man role, though. He shouldn't be the, the first guy off the bench. I think that he's the last guy off the bench, especially considering the severity of his injury. You know, I'm air-quoting severity there because we don't truly know uh, how well recovered he is from his meniscus issue. It's something that typically doesn't take his, you know, five months to get healed. But you know what? Uh, Kelly, you do you. Um, I think that he's somebody who could come in and perhaps spell Kaminsky's minutes. You know, if we're giving him 
a total of, let's see, let me just look real quick. Kaminsky played a total of three minutes today. Oh, for one. And he played three minutes in the last game. If we give Kelly Oubre three to four minutes just to give us a little spell, just to add a little spice to it, I'm 100% for that. That strengthens our bench. And I would be 100% for that. But to Vladimir's question, uh, if he wants to be the sixth man, does how good does our bench become? I don't think it becomes better than it is. I think you're right. Dario Sarch being the first guy off the bench for you know wings slash bigs is huge. And I think that campaign and Carter coming off the bench is huge uh, for the guard play. I think that if Kelly Oubre is available to come back, uh, you bring him in for like three minutes a game to fill and Frank Kaminsky just, you know, just hit the showers early, bro. Yeah. And plus that would help the team so much. The surrounding, you know, if he just drains one, three yeah. or even gets some sick dunk and you know, he still has, he can do that head shake. That's what I miss the most. <laughs> oh, God, sorry, dude. Oh my God. That was terrible. What was that? That, that was, I don't know. Was sea that, monster. That was, what kind of head shake was that? You scared me. You yeah, scared the listeners, bro. Wasn't it? Oh, my toupee flew off when I I know. Well, you better put that thing back on, man. All <laughs> right. Well, how about the next question? This comes from Harish, and he says, is Dario Sarge better as a backup center rather than a power forward? Uh, power forward, right? Yeah. There's no Obviously. way he's better as a backup center. There's just no way. No. I mean, he can't even – I think he was down – he had a free look at the basket. He was um, – he had a, like a free drive to the basket, and he took everything in him to get up and just lay it up right next to the rim. Like he can't – you know, he can't dunk. I mean, if he can't dunk, he can't be a center, right? No, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, DeAndre Ayton barely dunks the damn ball, but I mean – Yeah, but that's – I don't know what that is. That is so just, strange. He's just – he's a touch I mean, guy. that's just the way he is. I mean, he could. Yeah. But Dario Sarge, the only reason that he's looked semi-productive as a backup center is due to the matchups that we've been playing. I mean, you go against the Heat, they had a depleted front line. You look at it against Oklahoma City where he wasn't a backup. Technically, he was the starting but starter, but he's been playing the center minutes. But they have a depleted front line. Put Dario Saric out there against AD for five minutes, and you'll change your tune real quick. You'll probably say, you know what? He'd probably be a really good small forward backup, you know? Kudos to Dario Saric for stepping up into that role and playing productive. You know, as you mentioned, he had a productive day-to-day against the Oklahoma City Thunder. He just isn't prepared to be a backup center in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form, you know? No, no, no. No, but he – I don't know. He, he'll give the effort, but it's just – it's not enough to really compete at that spot. Agreed, agreed. So thank you, uh, Suns fans, for emailing the show. Those were brought to us via session at gmail.com. We do have one coming in via Twitter, and this is from at Eric Hinsvark. And he says, where are the weaknesses on this team right now, and how much better are we with Ubre and Baines? That's a good question. What are our weaknesses right now, Matthew? Well, so weaknesses – Dude, it's really tough. Like, I need a minute to uh, – let me come back around to that one. All right. But honestly, um, you can always say a team would be better if these guys were on the team. Like, I see that so many times in sports. It's like, this team's playing this well without this player? Like, just wait till he comes back. And it never improves the team. I swear it does not. But honestly, if they're playing maybe five or six minutes off the bench to fill that void where Kaminsky comes in, then that's where it helps out. But honestly, I don't think it's going to change the dynamic of the team. I think they're still going to play the exact same they've been playing. I don't think it's going to help with the win-loss ratio if they come back. But um, I think it just it just totally helps. And for um, maybe just backup center, that might be the, the weakness that I'm thinking of right now. Because we have, like, when you have Payne mm-hmm. and Javon Carter coming in, playing the one and two, I'm not even thinking that the backup two is a bad spot or is a, is a sore spot anymore. 
Agreed. I, I have to go with weaknesses is clearly our frontline depth. And when you say how much better are we with Ubre and Baines, we already talked about Ubre a little bit. It's not really a necessity to have him there. It adds depth, but it might offset chemistry. So I'm not sure about that. Baines is the guy I really wish was back. Not necessarily to jack up a bunch of threes, but just to get some minutes in there. A tough guy in the middle who can yeah, who yeah. can just negate any other bigs that we're going to go against because it's going to happen. I mean, the Suns, if they continue to play well and have a shot at the playoffs and have to play the Lakers in the first round, you know, God willing, they're a huge team. I mean, they have AD and their backups, Dwight Howard. And our backup right now is Frank Kaminsky or Dario Saric. I mean, we'll just get owned if we don't have that frontline depth. So that's mm-hmm. a clear weakness for the Suns right now. And again, how much better are we with Ubre and Baines? Yeah, in theory, we're better. But again, chemistry is something. Yeah. yeah, on paper, we're better. But the game film has, has proven that this team right now is just clicking like something I've never seen before. So keep it as it is. You know, again, if Ubre can come back and play, or Baines, if he can come back and play the three minutes for Kaminsky for now, I say do it, <laughs> you know, just, just anything not to play fucking Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, I, I mean, he's just not too. feeling I, it. I love he, Big Frank. He's just, yeah. not, he, he's so, he looks like a deer out there in the headlights, man. He has no idea what's going on. And it's been forever. I mean, even before the pandemic, he was out for a while. So it's been a long time for the dude. So yes. we're not bashing on the guy. We're just saying he may not be able to play till next season. It'd be a real impact. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, you got anything else for the Suns jamsters out there, Matthew? The only thing I noticed in the bubble is how good uh, Stan Van Gunny's been. I just wanted to bring that up really quick. Stan Van Gundy has they're been They're giving him uh, comparisons to like Tony Romo. I saw that, but yeah. like he is just fun to listen to. Uh, he's already way better than his brother, and his brother's trying to catch up now. So it's kind of awkward to listen to Jeff Van Gundy a little bit just because <laughs> – Jeff Van Gundy is trying to, uh, you know, overcompensate a little bit now, but Sam Van Gundy is really cruising. And he was on the Dan Levitard show all the time, and I can hear that before, so I'm glad he, uh, he's contributing in um, the analyst position. Uh, that's why you love him. You love those Dan Levitard guys, huh? That's probably why I like him. Eh, well, he, he's, he's doing funny, a, he, you know, He's doing a great job. It's been really fun to watch with him talking because you do get yeah. a little – you get an education, and it's not like – I don't know if you remember watching – uh, baseball games back when God, who, who was it when the Dimebacks, it was Mark Grace and Darren. Oh, I'm going to get roasted for not remembering his, his name. It was Darren something. And like every game was the same damn conversation. It was the most annoying baseball to watch because be like a pop fly to center. And then Darren would turn to Mark Grace and be like, Mark Grace, you want to tell us why you don't hit it to center? And Mark Grace is like got a beer in his hand. He's just like, because that's where their best outfielder is, okay? They, they, they're the fastest guy. They cover the most ground. That's why you don't want to hit there. It's like every game was like this educational experience. Like if you were a T-baller, you're like, oh, that makes yeah. sense. But like when you've been watching baseball for 25 years, like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about listening to Van Gundy is he's, he's talking about things that are not necessarily things you notice or, or think about. And he's got that kind of yeah. – that, that, that just a little bit different of opinion that makes it entertaining. He's also very witty too. And he's, yeah. he's far from what A-Rod is. A-Rod still can't get together. <laughs> they got to get him out of there. Yeah, A-Rod, I, I, A-Rod I, in the booth is so annoying. My cheeks are red the whole time, dude, because I'm just so embarrassed. <laughs> like the whole time, the whole game. Well, he was a Yankee and you deserve that. Yep. <laughs> well, that's it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Remember, as always, to visit sunsjamsession.com. You can follow us on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Matthew, let's see. And that's it for this one. This beer's done. Time for another one, bro. 
All right. Have fun, and everyone, go home and love your family. 